This episode of the Managing Madrid Podcast is brought to you by the Managing Madrid Podcast World Tour, which just dropped links to our Las Vegas and San Francisco podcasts. So that is officially live. You can book your tickets in the show notes if you're coming to the games in Vegas or San Francisco. Unfortunately, we couldn't make it to Los Angeles, but um, you know we'll bring it forward. I had to go on another trip during the LA game, so I'm not going to come to LA. So I would encourage you guys, if you're on the West Coast of the United States, or maybe you're making the trip from Mexico or Canada or whatever, come to our Vegas pod, come to our San Francisco pod. You won't regret it. It's a big Maravista party. Everyone loves it when they attend it. A lot of people are just waiting for us to come to their city. And I would just flip it and say, don't wait for us to come to your city because that may never happen and and you'll regret not coming. So just drive up if you're close to those places and especially get in on the podcast if you're going to the games itself because there's no excuse. So Vegas and San Francisco links are in the show notes. Vegas in particular will be really tight. So I would encourage you guys to get in quick because our room is pretty small for that one. And I would not want you guys to miss it. And we're going to cap it because we don't want anyone, st- anyone standing in the hallways or whatever. So make sure you book in Vegas ASAP. Again, links are in the show notes. And San Fran is also in the show notes. And um, it's early bird tickets right now. So prices will go up July 1st and then again on July 15th. So we incentivize it that way because if you guys book early, not only does it guarantee your spot at a cheaper price, but it also helps us with logistics and knowing how many people are coming. It's a win-win. So please do it. And these podcasts are pretty cheap. It's virtually for free. The only reason we actually put a monetary value on it is to hold your place and make sure that you guys have something invested so you can attend. That's I'm, I'm that's super honest uh, from me. I, I would do it for free if I could. You know, we foot the bill on most of these, but uh, we just want to make sure you guys uh, hold your spot and do it early. So do that. Links are in the show notes again. And today's podcast is... Uh, a episode of Daily Drop. We're going to talk about Chumeni, Bellingham, who else? Mane, some other stuff, tactical stuff, which we'll get into. And as always, we'll get it started with our friends Ray Hudson and Derek Ray. Let's go. Nice article in the Managing Madrid uh, blog. They're wonderful lads that do a great job there. And Worth reading about that man there. Karim Benzema needs to rest and the numbers reveal why. Times ended up almost looking like a 6-3-1. Some very good writing about that on the Managing Madrid website. Frustrate podcast as well. Of course, Pere Valverde was a huge part of the equation. All right, welcome to The Daily Drop, a 5 to 10 segment of the Managing Madrid podcast, which is designed to give you content at the bare minimum on days we do not have podcasts planned. And of course, we miss almost an entire week of content, partly because this is the one time of year I go on vacation and luckily nothing too drastic happened. I mean, with the true many signing, the crew took care of that over on patreon.com slash Madrid with the emergency podcast live on Zoom. So we did have a couple shows on Patreon uh, and obviously this morning, Om, Yash, and Grant uh, uploaded the Las Blancas 2021-2022 season review. So that is up also on the Management Your Podcast feed. Today is kind of the beginning of the return, if that makes sense. Because I'm back fully um, recording this part at just after 9 p.m. Eastern. And going to do this one kind of about just answering questions. And typically with these daily drops, I just go through the run-of-the-mill news, rumors, um, quotes. And obviously we've already covered 
stuff like that extensively on managingmajor.com, the Rudiger press conference, all of it is there. Uh, may I interest you, by the way, if you go over to managingmajor.com right now, in addition to up-to-date news um, that is timely and on the website for a one-stop shop, in addition to the open threads where Real Madrid fans gather in one single spot to talk about all things Real Madrid football and life, in addition to that, we have multiple features on the site right now. So we have an article about Real Madrid fans in Bangladesh written by Mehdi Hassan. We have Sam Leverage's debut piece for Managing Madrid where he talks about how Kamavinga and Chu many can play together for years to come. We have two columns from me, one on Florentino Perez's squad construction and the other one on Chu Omeni's drive, talent, and versatility. And a very popular article, Rudiger and the Legacy of Pepe, written by Jose Perez, who will be the plan is to have him on the podcast on Wednesday. So we're going to talk about his article and other stuff that may come up in the Real Madrid universe by then. I'm going to answer some questions from patrons. And again, I wasn't necessarily aiming to do this tonight, but we do have so many questions that come in now from patrons who get guaranteed responses to their questions because they pledge $10 or more. Uh, they pile up fast. So I thought this would be a good way if we do daily podcasts, we can just tackle them as they come so that we don't have to go through a mountain of, of questions later on. So question from our patron, the first one, Tarek Goktas. He says, hey guys, how urgently does Real Madrid need a starting left-footed attacker? All of our starters are right-footed. All of our starting mids are right-footed as well. Well, Tarek, I think this is an interesting conversation in the sense that while in some capacity it's important to have like inverted wingers you know people who can cut in with their left foot on the right wing or center backs who play you know left footed center backs who play on the right side and vice versa for the for the left side i also think what we need to stress more importantly is build the best game around what you have so to shoehorn a left footed attacker who may not be as good as we hope he might be to play for Real Madrid wouldn't make sense. And this is interesting because we're talking about Carlo Ancelotti, who himself is very good at reinventing the wheel and accommodating his scheme around his best players. And it actually is ironic because that used to be his weakness. And it wasn't until he called Zinedine Zidane himself where, you know, at first he was like, if you don't fit into my system, you're gone, you're out of here. But Zidane was so good that Ancelotti himself later admitted publicly so many times, it's common knowledge that Zidane was the first player that changed his belief system and he started to incorporate that system around Zinedine Zidane, which is an obviously a, a sound common sense move because Zinedine Zidane is one of the greatest players of all time. So it makes sense to do that. So, uh, in a, in a, and I kind of like, I brought up the, the left center back, right center back part of this as well because it's actually pretty difficult to find a left-footed right center back. It's not like they grow on trees. There's, it's not like we have a whole list and a slew of world-class options to choose from. And, and I think maybe if you're a lower club, maybe it might, might be easier to find someone on a, on a talent level of your club. But for Real Madrid, it, you know, it's not that easy. And I, and I think this conversation became prevalent when we signed Rudiger because, you know, on the Manager Madrid podcast, me personally and a lot of the staff actually echoed this sentiment that Rudiger and Alaba is our best center back partnership from a pure ball progression standpoint. And some of the response to that was, well, Rudiger doesn't play on the right and maybe Rudiger and Alaba would get in the way of each other. But I also come back and say, Rudiger has actually played on the right quite a bit and he's looked fine in that scheme. And I, and I think it doesn't matter as much. And also it would be crazy to think that Rudiger wouldn't play any of Militao's minutes at all because he's, he's more comfortable on the left. So I think we'll see a mishmash of options. If a superstar left-footed attacker comes up, then 
go for it. But, you know, I, I don't think you shoehorn. Uh, we're going to come back to the right-wing discussion in a second with a future question. Tahmid Kalam says, I have two things I would love for you to comment on. Feel free to break them up between two podcasts if you like. Well, Tahmid, congratulations. This is your lucky day. We're going to answer both. Number one, I am thrilled with the Rudiger and Chuamani acquisitions. I can't stop thinking about the second half of games where when we're leading. I find it highly unlikely, or sorry, I find it highly likely that Cruz and Modric come off and Kamavinga and Chuamani come on. Maybe even Mendy for Alaba if Alaba is the regular left back. Imagine being down to Real Madrid and facing a high press with a midfield of Casemiro, Chuamani, and Kamavinga with Fede possibly at right wing. It makes me drool. We would kill so many of these teams in transition as well with those guys in against those tired legs. What are your thoughts on this? Well, Tamir, I would say you actually answered your own question here in a lot of ways. I don't actually think I have much more to add because you kind of provided the analysis. I think it's interesting that, first of all, my prediction, and again, I was on vacation for the Chula Many podcast that happened live on Zoom. And I, you know, I actually joined that podcast for maybe 15, 20 seconds, or I, I squeezed something in on my phone and I ran back to my kids. But partly because I had FOMO and I just really want to talk about Chula Many and a signing I'm really excited for. But um, so I didn't get a chance to say this part, but my prediction for Chua Many is that I think he's going to become a starter relatively quickly if not early on then by the end of the season because i think he has the he has a talent first of all that's the first thing you need to check off the list that is required to play for real madrid he has it but also he has the drive and he has the mindset and the mentality to fight for his place like a true dog and i and i mean that in the least cliche way possible because i know it's a running joke now on twitter that if you call someone like you know he has that dog in him it's kind of made fun of to, to bring up that analogy and that cliche. But I think he's gonna, he has that mentality where he's going to work his way into the starting lineup and couple that with the talent he has. I think it, 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 you'll see him start a lot more. And by that same token, you'll see Kamavinga play a lot more than he did than last season just by default because last season there was a whole chunk in the middle of the season where he didn't um, play. So having said that, to Tamid's point about them two coming off the bench, I mean, it is pretty terrifying to be let's say if you fast forward to next season let's say you somehow continue this run in the champions league you're bullying your opponent psychologically they and then the second half all of a sudden true many kamavinga and co come in rodrigo etc again it doesn't matter who the names are but we just kind of we get the general point maybe they'll be starters maybe they won't but it's interesting because i'll go back to the press which has been a hot topic for a long time I have been on record many times, and I've probably killed people with this um, assessment that you can't flip a press on and off. You can't do it. It's it's incredibly difficult. You don't have the cohesion. You don't have the rhythm. You you you've seen it fall apart so many times in recent Real Madrid history because they just have don't have that identity ingrained in them. And whereas opposed to City and Liverpool, it's clockwork, right? They've been practicing it for years. Every training session, every game, you just you can't really replicate that experience. Much like a lot of these teams can't replicate Real Madrid's Champions League DNA because they don't have that experience. So, but having said that, there is an interesting um, uh, counter to this, and that if you actually look at Real Madrid's press after Camavinga, Rodrigo, and Co came on in the second half of these Champions League games, the press really improved, and players, the opposing team, really struggled with that. Now you can chalk that up to uh, those teams ran out of gas, they ran out of energy. That was a common theme as well. Whatever it is, I, I think it's an interesting point. And I think to Tammy's point, I think it might be an, a point of emphasis even more next season than it was l- last season. Um, so the second part of this question says, I'm a bit disappointed that Florentino is taking a step back on an attacking signing until there are departures. 
Our biggest weakness last year was not having a proper threat alongside Vinicius when Benzema was out. The Barca 4-0 is the best example. There are so many fantastic market opportunities right now. I want your thoughts on some options I am not hearing mentioned as right wing or center forward options that I think would be great options for us. I hear that Mane prefers Bayern, and many people point to his preference to play left wing as a reason not to pursue him. However, there is a compilation video of all the goals he scored while with Middlesbrough. In the video, he scores 90% of his goals from the right side of the box because he played right wing there. Mane is an excellent opportunity to get someone who can score goals from the right while also filling in for Benzema when he sits. And as much as many are hyping Nabry, look at the yearly goal stats. He pales in comparison to Mane. Okay, so this I actually found this really interesting, partly because I think Mane is a great player. So the, here's my attempt to explain why Ramdi wouldn't go for someone like Mane. And this is based on zero inside information, just me putting myself on the board's shoes, who I have to admit have been incredibly intelligent. The recruiting process and scouting process has been on point. Uh, obviously, they are not flawless, and I will get to that, but I also want to just praise the board for a second and say that I think they know what they're doing. And I will elaborate even more on that in the last question of this particular podcast, which brings us up again. But if I had to guess why you don't go for someone like Mane, and to your point, Tahmid, Mane has played a lot on the right wing. And, you know, a lot of people looked at Hazard. Hazard's compilation of goals in the right wing kind of said something similar. Being able to score goals in the right periodically by overloading the right side or going down central channels and cutting out wide is a little bit different than playing right wing on the, uh, as a full-timer. I'm not saying that's what Mane is, but he has... Like, this season, he played right wing once. That's it. It was one game. And obviously, the reason why he's not playing right wing in the last few years is because of Mohamed Salah. Does that mean all of a sudden Sadio Mane is not a right winger? I don't think it necessarily means that. I actually think that he can still play right wing. And to your point, Tahmid, he can also play center forward. So if you're in a pickle in a big game like the Barca game and you don't have Benzema, you can put Mane there perhaps. Um, if I had to guess, I think this is why the club didn't go for him. One, he's not a pure right winger. And two, he's 30. And I think we're really scarred from that contract we handed out to Hazard, who is also a player on the wrong side of 30. And it was expensive. And it wasn't cheap. And... Ironically, the club, that, the player that they really believe in, Rodrigo, fits that bill too. He's not a pure right winger. He's better on the left, but he also can also play second striker the way Sadio Mane can. So I, you know, I wrote about this in my article this week. I also, you know, think Florentino touched on it quite adequately that they really believe in Rodrigo. So whether you agree with that opinion or not is is, is kind of not the point. But the point is that they do believe in Rodrigo. I think that's the part of the, the thought process in in not getting someone like Mane. Uh, you know, in addition to the, the fact that he may want to go to Bayern as well. Though I don't know we, if anyone really knows the truth to that other than Mane himself, plus his family, his agent, Bayern, whatever. The last question is from Adrian, and he brings this full circle. Could we get a deep dive on Jude Bellingham to Madrid rumors to replace Modric? I know in the last podcast you guys mentioned that we still need a Modric-type midfielder, but would bringing him in mean that one of the other young three midfielders would be benched often? Could we play with a diamond again like 2016-2017, to fit all four with Valverde having to be converted to a winger full-time. All right. The reason I say this comes back full circle and back to what I said about the board's competency. And I don't... Listen, this is the first time I think we're talking about Jude Bellingham really in some kind of coherent analysis, analytical way or whatever, for lack of a better word. 
And it's the first of many because I think, as we know, there was a report last week that Rams are preparing a $90 million offer for him next season. His contract runs until 2025. So they're going to talk about Bellingham a lot. So here's my first statement on Bellingham. If it's true, I like where the board is going with this one. The reason I say that is this. And I'm not, and I'm always careful to say to never say anything definitively. And I, you know, as much as I like a player, I can be totally wrong about the projection. That's happened in the past many times, you know. So maybe Jude Bellingham is a complete bust, and he's not a Real Madrid level player. Whatever. I personally believe he's in, in, at, the, at the very least an intriguing signing. Here's why: we spent so much time talking about. You can't replace Luka Modric because there's no one like him. And I think that's true and that still holds true. And I think that will hold true. I think by the time I die, whenever that is, there probably won't be a player like him. Because he did everything. He defended. He protected the right back. He pretended He pretended the back line. What am I saying? Pretended? Uh, pre- protected is what I meant to say. It's late. Um, he attacked. He was a pseudo right winger. On one instance, he was saving goal line shots. And within 15 seconds, he was in the final third singing a through ball. He is generational. He's a unicorn. He is special. I've often said that you don't replace him. You just change the way you play. Having said that, I actually think Bellingham, from a pure player profile standpoint, not not from the level itself, I will never say Bellingham is on the level of Modric. Never. For God's sake, he's like 18, 19 or something like that. But from a player profile standpoint, he's at least intriguing because he covers a ton of ground. He has the same trait that Modric does where he can save a goal line challenge and then within seconds be in the opposing box creating something. Um, and I think one of the most interesting, and, and again, in addition to many things, and I, I have them all written down here so I don't miss anything. Pretty decent goal scorer from midfield reliable in that sense he's not gonna he's not necessarily frank lampard or whatever i'm not yet anyway but he is a he can he can score goals from midfield he's versatile i can play anywhere in the in the you know as a, as an am you know a right center midfielder left center midfielder he's a good creator he can create shots he can generate shots himself he's a pretty good ball carrier he's a fantastic dribbler out of tight spaces he's press resistant he is often the funnel and focal point of the team's build-up play and, and possession. And that's really impressive to me because he's a teenager. So I think it, it, he kind of also fits in the maturity level and what we have in line with Real Madrid in, with regards to young character of guys. Um, he puts his body on the line constantly. He's, one of, he's elite with blocking shots. He's a solid presser. One stat that jumped out at me is he's top four in Bundesliga in progressive passes received, which basically means he's not shy. He's going to be there as an outlet in between the lines, and he's going to be reliable in that sense. So my very initial thoughts on Bellingham are what I just said. So I'm intrigued. This is the first of many Bellingham conversations we'll have. We'll bring it forward, and uh, I'm going to wrap it here. What are we at? 16, 17 minutes? Not bad. I always aim for 5 to 10, and I always go overboard, but 16 to 17 is okay. Uh, book your tickets to Las Vegas and San Fran. Super important because those will, as, as I said in the intro, Vegas spots will fill up fast and room is limited. And San Fran actually is, has surpassed Vegas ticket sales as of now, and we just launched them. So if you want to get in and you want to save money, get in ASAP, and uh, we will catch you 
What is, well, I guess here's the housekeeping. Today's Monday. Tuesday will be Tuesday Tapas with Matt and I over on patreon.com slash management exclusively. Wednesday is the Rudiger Pepe podcast with Jose for free. Thursday is the mailbag with Lucas on patreon.com slash management and beyond that, I'm not entirely sure. So thank you for listening. Appreciate you all and how